Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's topic, you did not demonstrate, part two. Here we go. Let's talk about the other extreme. Though. We've been sort of driving toward the performance review at the end of the year. But if you go to the beginning of the relationship, interviewing people, if somebody didn't do well in an interview, most companies, most managers don't communicate anything at all. Now, we think that's dumb at manager tools. We disagree. We think if you screen well initially, not that that's always true, you won't be interviewing folks who are going to respond poorly to specifics regarding their less than great performance in an interview. Almost everyone out there who's listening right now will say, absolutely, I've been told no, or I, or I got told nothing at all, which essentially is no, which is the coward's way out um, from companies from time immemorial, it seems. But we, they hear nothing, and they don't know why. And they all say, geez, will somebody please have the guts to say, here's why I chose A over B. Here's why I chose this person and not you. Now, look, it's easy. You can get away with doing the easy thing, but... Like, like Mike and I were taught at school, make us choose the harder right instead of the easier wrong. And in this case, we recommend if somebody asks, you tell them, sure, I'll, I, if I were in your shoes, I'd want to know, here's my evaluation. Now, you might say, well, gee, how am I going to have that? Well, we've been doing this for eight years now. We've been giving you a lot of tools. You use the interview results capture meeting. And if you don't know what that is, just go to our website and type in the search box, interview results capture meeting, and you'll find a podcast on that very thing. It's one of my favorites. The IRCM provides the framework for interviewers to the people who interviewed a candidate to provide the hiring manager specific behaviors that were, that were demonstrated in the interview that caused the decision to be made. I'm not going to make an offer. One of the things about the results capture meeting, it starts off by each person saying hire or don't hire, and then they give specific behaviors that they did in the interview. They either showed in the interview by their behaviors in the interview, or that they explained through their answers to questions that showed them to not be as good as somebody else or to not meet the minimum standard. Because remember, there are two standards interviewing. It's not enough that somebody meets the minimum, that they pass the test. The second question is, are they the best of the people who pass the test? And it's not enough to be best. You have to be best and pass the test as well. And the IRCM basically says everybody's going to be looking for behaviors in the interviews. So in the same way as in a review, we tell the candidate if we're going to give them negative feedback, not that this is actually negative feedback. It's not the feedback model. It's the you did not demonstrate model. We're going to tell them. You didn't demonstrate that a skill or behavior, and this is where we get more, <laughs> more, more iffy, or attitude or competency, I, we, don't, we, we wouldn't recommend that, but some companies use attitudes and competencies in their evaluation tools, and so therefore we're not gonna tell you not to use what your company puts in front of you. You're gonna say you didn't demonstrate that something was present. So it might sound like you didn't demonstrate sufficient expertise in customer negotiations, okay? Or you didn't demonstrate enough customer service success to be the best candidate for this role. It's simple. It's the same basic principle. You didn't demonstrate something. And I will tell you, in 90% of the cases, the phrase you didn't demonstrate immediately disarms someone saying, no, you're wrong. Because they realize you're not talking about them. You're not talking about whether or not they have it. You're only saying whether you have it or not, I didn't see it. And right. we assume because we have the power, if we're the one interviewing, if I didn't see it, 
you didn't demonstrate it. And the only other option is you demonstrated I didn't see it, in which case I'm a really bad interviewer. And I'm not going to admit that because I'm the one with the power of doing the interviewing. He who runs the interview has the power. There you go. Now, you already covered this, right? But I think we want to be clear about this. When we say demonstrate, we mean you didn't do or say, right? Dem demonstrate yeah. means to show or exhibit or express. Um, so yeah, so it, yeah. it, it structure, it does address behavior. Yeah, and look, I, this is where uh, I had a conversation the other day with somebody and it kind of frustrated me. They said, well, that's just your way of looking at things, that it's all about behavior. You know, and I regularly say to conference groups, I, I say to them, don't ask me what your problem is, because when all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Um, but there's something larger at work here when it comes to behavior at work. Nobody who supports the concept of behavioral interviewing or, for that matter, of unbiased performance communications can argue with the standard being demonstrating a skill or ability or behavior. Okay. I want you to listen carefully here, folks, because uh, th this frustrates me about other people's systems, okay? Uh, not, not that ours is a system in and of itself, but a lot of people espouse different things, and, and, and there's a glaring hole in them, okay? One of the beauties of system of demonstration and, and behaviors, focusing on behaviors and demonstrating those behaviors, is it protects all of us from the vague systems that intentionally defy accurate description. And those systems often support the improper or unethical evaluations of people based on their inherent characteristics. If you don't think that behavioral interviewing and looking for behaviors and people actually demonstrating behaviors is a way to combat bigotry and, and selfishness and exclusion from the people from the workplace of people who look different or sound different you're crazy the reason we focus on behavior is it's not discriminatory we want you to discriminate on the basis of the job we want you to be discriminating about choosing best from second best but the more vague your system is then we can leave the person in power to make whatever he or she, whatever decision he or she wants. And unfortunately, for women in the world, it's he that makes the decision. Well, you're just not a fit for us. Well, no offense, what the hell does that mean? You get to decide? Really? You get to decide on what basis are you deciding? Is it your gut? That's part of the reason why, even though I say we, we don't like competencies, I'm, I'm pleased that there's a, a, an effort made to, okay, Let's try to measure some things, by gosh, because the more we measure, the more we shine the light of day on what people do and how they do it, we'll pay less attention to the color of their skin, the age of that skin, how tall or short they are, who their mothers and fathers were, and to a large degree, where they went to school. Not that where you went to school isn't a good signaling effect, a signaling instance in some cases. Okay, If the standard can't be behaved against, or if the standard isn't behavior or demonstrable, it can be used to deny opportunity to effective performers due to characteristics beyond their control or due to characteristics in the minds of the evaluators. And the fact is, folks, we're all biased. And that's just not right. It's just not right. And if you want to open up your organization to more people with more talent, start looking for behaviors rather than people. 
You know, we, I, I've watched Moneyball about five times in the last three or four months, and there's a bit in there where Peter Brandt, the character actually modeled after Paul De Podesta, the guy who I think he used to work for the Dodgers for a couple of years, um, and um, uh, he, he talks about why Major League Baseball is so messed up before Moneyball came along, and he said Major League Baseball tries to buy players, but they shouldn't be buying players. They should be buying runs. Actually, they should be buying wins, and the way you get wins is by runs. Rather than looking at a player, and I'll never forget this, there was a, I, I read, I'm a big baseball fan, there's a famous uh, book about baseball scouting. It's called Dollar Sign on the Muscle. And it talks about how scouts do their job, traveling around the country, watching high school and college baseball games in the United States and overseas now too. And it talks very openly about a concept called a player's face, like literally the part of the, the head that has the eyes and the mouth and the, and the nose on it. And they say that player has a good face. And what they're getting at is a bunch of intangibles. But when you look at the people that they say have good face, I hate to say this guys, usually they're tall and white. And it's, it's incredibly frustrating that, well, we don't want to measure this. We're going to trust the gut of the scout. And look, nothing against baseball scouts. I think I love watching scouts work and I'm fascinated by how they measure the things they do and so on. But the idea that we can simply leave it up to somebody to say, well, I just kind of like the guy. Uh, as opposed, if we're going to be hiring a lot of people and if we're truly interested in in evaluating people fairly and finding the best person. Can we look beyond our biases? Well, behaviors aren't biased. Outcomes aren't biased. Demonstrating stuff isn't biased. If you're really biased, you have a scotoma and you can't see it coming from somebody who doesn't look like you, but usually that's pretty obvious. There's about five sentences in this section that I, we should just, I feel like we should cut out and just take that 30, 30 seconds and put on the website. Cause I think, uh, you know, I don't know. People think of us as crusty old West Pointers, and sometimes they don't hear those things that you just described. Yeah, I, I think that's... And it's disappointing yeah. sometimes, frankly. Well, I, I certainly, I mean, I, I, we get emails all the time from women who say it's really surprising that two men, two Army guys, by the way, actually talk the way they do about equality in the workplace. Gee whiz, why do I want equality in the workplace? Because I want everybody to have a chance to achieve. If everyone in the world achieved to the level of competence that they were capable of, there'd be no hunger, there'd be no famine. The problem in the world is, is, is not that there are a few people doing well and there are a few people doing poorly. It's that so many people are nowhere near their potential. And we believe managers play a huge role in that. And it's just too bad that people want to substitute somebody's gut which they can't measure and they don't have any data on. Not that the world is nothing but data, but let's at least get enough data so we can measure things, so we can track things. We can't leave it up to what one person's gut is if in fact we admit that everybody's got some bias. We all have some bias. Um, and there are people right now in the world who have gifts that we're not using because there's bias against them. But if we start measuring them based on their behaviors, and, and we ought to structure jobs so that at the lowest levels, you don't have to have the ability to strategically think about the future of a billion dollar company when you're 22 or 23 years old, unless you're Mark Zuckerberg. Um, it, it is astounding to me. This is an enormous gap in the productivity potential of the world. And the only answer, it may not happen for another 100 years, but at some point the world is gonna wake up and realize 
We don't care whether we get the credit or not, but the answer is behavior. Behavior is measurable. Yeah, there's some vagaries to it, but all human things have some vagaries to it. And when you start talking about behaviors, it's a standard that you can measure against. And if it's demonstrable, it takes away the chance that somebody who doesn't look right, who doesn't sound right, who doesn't stand right, who doesn't have the right background, it takes away the chance that they won't be given a chance. And I'm against bigotry and making bad decisions. I'm also against robbing the world of that person's potential. Let's not put a person in the job because they look right or they're from the right place in the world if in fact they can't perform that job as well as somebody else. Why not just relegate our company to second tier status? Let's not do Hmm. that. No. Okay. I need to get off my soapbox. Yeah, it's a nice soapbox. I'm I'm almost feel like we should end the podcast there because we feel so strongly about that. But but, so thank you for that though. I I think it's, folks, I think it's worth thinking about. That's that's for sure. And reminding yourself, I I suspect that if you've been listening to us for a long time, you're already with us. but it's, it's useful to remind ourselves sometimes about our yeah. basic tenets and beliefs. Yeah, I'll tell you, folks, I, I people have questioned my hiring in the past. Yeah, well, okay. <laughs> I hire based on behavior. I can manage around all kinds of things. I can't manage around an absence of behavior. I can't do it. Let's go back to the specific wording, because I think you know I, yeah. we, we've alluded to this um, right. or stated it directly, but I, I want to talk a little bit more about it. And that is that this specific wording does not suggest a lack of potential or attack the person in any way. And and I, I, yeah. I think that's incredibly powerful in, in these situations, particularly, you know, particularly in interviewing, for example. It's very yeah, powerful. I'll give you a good example. I, you know, we talk in the disc thing. We just recorded, we did the video of the ECC, the Effective Communications Conference. We're going to put that on the web at some point, I think this year. And in doing so, uh, one of the things we talked about is that we never learned how to communicate or no, I'm sorry, we were never taught how to communicate. We learned it by trying words and getting positive feedback and negative feedback and mimicking our parents and our brothers and sisters and, and the people who, who raised us and our family and our extended families and our community and so on. But you, most people were never really taught how to communicate. Made even more worse in the kind of almost arcane way we communicate in organizations today, we certainly weren't, weren't taught organizational communications 101. Most people weren't taught business communications or managerial communications. Okay, We weren't taught that. But it's assumed that we know it. Actually, most people now assume, no, you don't know it. And <laughs> some people have, in fact, it's too bad. Some people have it and some people don't. Oh, he's got it or she's got it, or but he, he doesn't. It's just like, it's just like Dan McGuire. I just wrote about him. Somebody said, oh, it's all about presence. And Dan started drilling down, what do you think presence is? And Dan helped come up with a list of behaviors. It was awesome. These are the behaviors that we kind of agree we put the words presence around. But in the same way that we didn't learn it uh, or we weren't taught how to communicate, We also weren't taught a specific professional way to talk about someone's shortcomings. In fact, we learned it, but we learned it in elementary school and middle school and high school between the ages of five and 18 when we were cruel to one another. We literally learned the way to talk negatively about somebody is attack their person. And then we went from that. I mean, right? I mean, people are cruel. Gosh, kids are cruel to one another. But nobody ever teaches this is exactly the right way to talk to your direct. And we do, but not a lot of the places do. Business schools don't teach it. Uh, They teach there's some form of political correctness out there in the world, but political correctness doesn't get the issue of talking about someone's performance weaknesses. Okay? 
So this is another case where we need to learn how to talk to someone about a time where they didn't meet the standard. I'll be the first in line to admit there are times I don't meet the standard, but a lot of times I haven't met the standard. And the appropriate response for my boss or for the organization is to talk to me about that, but not talk to me in a way the way that we would when we were 15 years old, but rather as professionals. If you were to say, let me give you some examples. And, and by the way, I'm gonna let you guys guess which two of them I got out of emails that I had on my hard drive that people were saying, here's what I said to somebody. Okay, there are five examples I have. You just don't have it. Again, this is, I'm telling somebody what happened at the end of an interview, for instance. You just don't have it. Or, I'm not sure you're cut out for this. I always wondered about that, cut out. Yeah, that's... Okay. <laughs> I don't see it in you, as if anybody could see any, anything in anyone. Okay. And, and you might say, well, Mark, you know, it's just a figure of speech. Yeah, okay, it's just a figure of speech. You're talking about a person and their professional life. Uh, we are smarter than this. Okay. <laughs> um, another one, you may not be the right kind of person for this job. And last one, I think this job is out of your reach. Wow. I like yeah. that one. Wow. Every single one of these things is false. And when you attack a person or you talk about their potential, it's arrogant too. I don't know. I don't think people get up in the morning and go, I think I'm going to say a bunch of false and arrogant things today. Right? And it's not right. You don't talk about the person. It is hubris for us to judge someone personally or to dismiss their potential based on what they might do in a 45 minute or an hour long interview, if they're lucky. And guys, everyone listening knows this, and I know it and Mike knows it, a lot of managers say these kind of things. It's easy to feel powerful when you get to choose who gets hired. It's easy to feel powerful when you get to make decisions about who gets the biggest raise. But it's the effective manager who humbles herself at these times and stays within the bounds of professionalism by only commenting on demonstrated behaviors. We don't judge people. We compare their demonstrated skills against a standard our organization sets and that we as managers bring to life. The best way to communicate not judging is to not judge by sticking to behaviors and by sticking to what was demonstrated in the interview or during the course of a year in which you are given, if I would put too big a spin on this, the sacred trust of providing an evaluation of a human being's performance and essentially, therefore, indirectly their potential to an organization who controls their addiction to food, clothing, shelter. Yeah. Boy, this is the most soapboxy I've been in a while. Yeah. Yeah. I think good, I, I, good I always want to, yeah, I want to say again, guys, it's easy to be dismissive of behavior. It's a little, it's a little nebbishy. It's a behavior sounds a little inside baseball-y, like management is about behavior. Guys, at some point, if you're 25 or 30 or 35, you, it's okay right now if you're not ready. You know, there's an old saying, if the student is ready, the teacher appears. When the student is ready, the teacher appears. And what that means is the world is teaching you all the time, but you only realize you're being taught when you're ready to be taught. And it's certainly true for me as well. And you may not be ready to hear this yet, but at some point later in your career, you're going to have an aha moment. And you're going to remember you heard it here first. It's all about behavior. It's all about, other than it's all about people. It is all about behavior in terms of organizational results. If you want better quality outcomes and better people, if you will, 
start focusing on behavior and stop focusing on the things that people suggest are indicators of that, um, like scouts saying he has a good face. Okay, wrapping up. The phrase is, you didn't demonstrate. We gave you a couple of subtle different examples of that. The key is to focus on behavior. What can you demonstrate? Okay, by the way, you can't demonstrate charisma. You could infer charisma from the demonstration of other behaviors. You can demonstrate, you, you can infer presence, as, Dan, as I mentioned Dan McGuire talking about recently with his company, based on the demonstration of other behaviors. We talk about behavior, we don't address somebody's lack of potential, right? There are so many people who have been told, you'll never amount to anything, and then became hugely successful. And we don't attack the person. There's enough of that already. We have an obligation as managers to talk about poor performance when, when the standard is not met. And we have an obligation as humans to do it in a way that steps on somebody else's shoes maybe, but still leaves a shine. There you go. Thanks, my friend. Loved it. You bet, partner. All right. We'll see you. Thanks, everyone. That's it for today. We'll see you next week. Have a great one. So long, folks.